The recording that you're about to listen to is a talk from the City Bible Forum. We would appreciate you respecting our copyright by not making copies of this talk or altering the content in any way. We hope that you find the material beneficial. If you would like more information on the City Bible Forum, you can visit us on the web at citybibleforum.org. Well, great to see you if you're visiting, and uh, welcome back if you've been on holidays. Uh, in, the, uh, in the program in front of you, I think it's right-hand side, uh, is a simple little story that Jesus told. So we might, uh, I might read it to you. Uh, it's from Luke chapter 10, verse 30. In reply, Jesus said, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So to a Levite, uh, when, he, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he travelled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine, and then he put the man on his own donkey, bore him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day, he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. It's a nice little story, and so um, lots of Christian organisations uh, who follow Jesus have picked up this idea of being, as the story said, the Good Samaritan. Uh, for example, uh, oh, sorry, we've got that beautiful picture there, and then we've got our Samaritan's Purse. Uh, begun oh, quite a few years ago now, Billy Graham's son, Franklin Graham, is the kind of the president or uh, CEO, and they do, based in the US, but have also got offices here, Canada, UK. They did this really nice thing where um, churches make up, my Kathy's done this quite a few times and organised people to do it with her. Uh, you get a shoebox and fill it up with uh, Christmas presents for a boy or a girl of a particular age and then take it and they band it, um, uh, bundle them up and send them to the developing world somewhere and it makes some little kids Christmas. Uh, great idea. Uh, the Good Samaritan has kind of morphed a little bit in Perth. Uh, the Good Samaritan has become Good Sammy. Uh, I'm not quite sure how. The Uniting Church uh, Welfare Agency. Uh, I guess in Australia everything has to end in E at the end, so St Vincent de Paul becomes Vinnies, of course, um, although the Salvos are still the Salvos. Uh, and so it's kind of a, it's a story where Jesus says, be nice to each other. Well, um, thanks for coming. Uh, any questions? <laughs> Doesn't it seem quite right, though, does it? If you're a regular here at City Bible Forum, if you came along and we looked at the teaching of Jesus and you didn't kind of feel mildly uncomfortable, challenged, you'd feel like you were dudded. So what's going on here? Well... As usual, if you have a look at the context and what Jesus is actually saying and why he tells this story, it's got a little more to say than just be nice. Uh, if you've been coming along, uh, you'll know we've been working our way through Luke's Gospel and we will do that um, in, in a number of the talks this year, about half our time working through Luke's Gospel. We started three weeks ago uh, in chapter 9, verse 51, where there's this kind of turning point where uh, it says... Um, Jesus is up here in Galilee uh, and, and Luke tells us he set his face to walk all the way to Jerusalem knowing that when he gets there he'll die, he'll be crucified and so it's 109 kilometres in a straight line uh, and as he travels he's, he's calling people to follow him 
and uh, to enter the kingdom of God, is Jesus' particular words. And in this one particular day, uh, as he's walking, we're told, um, on one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Um, I mean, that's the great question, really, isn't it? To inherit eternal life. What, to be with God, to have God accept you, to, as you say, you know, to go to heaven. Uh, what will that mean? If you notice the structure, there's two questions and two answers in this little part about that's often called the Good Samaritan. Although what's interesting, he uses the word inherit. What do I do to inherit? Uh, kind of funny, really, isn't it? Because after all, what do you do to get an inheritance? Exactly nothing. Hang around. It just kind of it, someone gives it to you. Uh, what's also interesting is that uh, in about eight chapters time, there's another man asks exactly the same question. What must I do to inherit eternal life? That man in chapter 18 is very rich. If you're used to reading the New Testament, you might have heard him called the rich young ruler. Jesus answers the rich man in terms of money and wealth and possessions. Jesus answers this man, who's a lawyer, kind of different to what we have lawyers today. This, is, this man's an expert in the Old Testament law, the law of Moses. Jesus answers him in terms of the law. Uh, and so, uh, Jesus' first answer? Well, Jesus' first answer, as is so often the case, he answers with a question. I like what Woody Allen says about, uh, why does a rabbi always answer a question with a question? A rabbi... Why shouldn't a rabbi answer, uh, always answer a question with a question? Anyway, okay, so Jesus' answer, what is written in the law, he replied. How do you read it? Well, what does the lawyer say? He answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and love your neighbour as yourself. You've answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this and you'll live. What's fairly simple really isn't it all you have to do is do that love the lord your god with all your heart with all your soul with all your strength with all your mind love your neighbors yourself you do that god will welcome you uh you'll be fine so um how are you going with that the uh the first part there love the lord your god with all your heart soul uh strength mind is uh Jesus picked it out as the greatest commandment in the Old Testament, uh, known as the Shema, which means to hear. And uh, I'm told today, still, it's the key or central prayer in the Jewish prayer book and probably the first piece of scripture that uh, a Jewish child learns. And so where does it get the, the hear part? It comes from Deuteronomy chapter 6, where we're told, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. It's worth pausing, isn't it? How, how are you going with that? I, I don't do so well. I very easily ignore God or I don't trust Him. I, I don't love Him with everything I've got. Uh, what's, the commandment really is give your whole life back in love and adoration to the one who's given you life itself. And yet we easily ignore him. I, I, I take the good things God gives without being particularly grateful and I whinge when something doesn't go right. Not easy. Now the second one's got to be a lot easier. Love your neighbour as yourself. Uh, 
the lawyer's chosen um, the verse there from the book of Leviticus, one of the uh, books of Moses in the Old Testament. Do not seek revenge or bear a grudge against anyone among your people, but love your neighbour as yourself. I am the Lord. Uh, interesting, isn't it? That we just kind of intuitively know that that's right, that that's the right way to live. Uh, I, was, I was surprised. We, a couple of years ago, we were running um, a series of panels or kind of not friendly debates, I think we called them panels. Okay? And uh, we had, had a guy uh, who was, uh, had the atheist job. Um, and the one who said he's a Christian atheist, Russ, what was his name? Chris Berg, and from Melbourne, is that, is that right? Yeah, okay, nice guy. Um, but he said, oh, I'm an atheist, and halfway through the panel, he said, but I guess I'm a, a Christian atheist. And everyone went, huh? He said, well, I think what Jesus teaches about love your neighbour as yourself, all that, I think that's really good. So I guess I'm a Christian atheist. <laughs> uh, yeah. We know it's right, but it's hard to do, isn't it? It's hard to do. Um, now, I, I know, look, I naturally warm to some people more than others. So, for example, most of the time I can love my kids pretty well, uh, most of the time. Um, there's other kind of fairly particular groups of people that I identify with well, like, say, if you're 50-something, you went to a Bible college in Newtown about 30 years ago, uh, work in Christian ministry and live in the eastern suburbs. Guys like that, I... I kind of warm to, right? And there are a couple, okay? We get on quite well. Um, yeah. So I guess it depends really on who my neighbour is. So if I could pick the right neighbours, like your children and uh, these two or three other guys in the eastern suburbs, I'd be doing okay. And that's exactly what the lawyer's thinking. You see the very next verse, the second question. So the lawyer asks the first question, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus says, well, do you actually know the answer? Love God perfectly and love your neighbour. And he says, oh, wait a minute, wait a minute. So who's my neighbour? But he wanted to justify himself. So he asked Jesus, who is my neighbour? Um, justify, what does it mean? Oxford Dictionary online. Justify, to show or prove to be right or reasonable. Show or prove to be right or reasonable. I used to think... Uh, it was that the lawyer just didn't want to look like an idiot, so he asked a follow-up question. No, no, it's not. He's wanting to justify his previous behaviour or the way that he lives. Uh, if my wife, Kathy, says to me, you never do any housework, purely hypothetical, imagine she did, you never do any housework. Well, and when I say, well, I unpacked the dishwasher three times this week and I bought the washing in the other, what do I do? I'm justifying myself. Okay. In fact, you can even apply it to where you stand before God, and even the Oxford Dictionary gets it pretty right. Theology to declare or make righteous in the sight of God. If you can limit who your neighbour is to 50-something-year-old Bible college graduates who live in the eastern suburbs, then that's who you... We're a chance. We can justify ourselves. So, who is my neighbour? Who's your neighbour? And Jesus tells this parable that we read to this self-righteous man who wants to justify himself. Now, part of the problem is that we lose the sting of it across different cultures and across 21 centuries because we've all heard of it so much. You've got the Jewish man who travels from Jerusalem down to Jericho who gets beaten up 
uh, the priest and the Levite both worked in the temple, uh, and so technically there was um, uh, the rules about the Old Testament that priests weren't allowed to touch a dead body, and if they did, they wouldn't have been able to work for however long, and so the priest doesn't take the chance. If that man's dead, then I can't work, it'll be messy, so he passes on the other side, the Levite to the... You ever heard the old joke about the, uh, the Englishman, the Irishman, and the Australian? The Englishman, the Irishman, it's always the Australian who's the hero. And so you've got the priest, the Levite, and then the hero. Not Australian, that wasn't who Jesus was going to talk about, right? The priest, the Levite, and then will be the ordinary Israelite man. Your hard-working average who comes along and saves the day. And you notice Jesus says, the one who comes along is a Samaritan. What? Now, now settle down, can't we? We don't want to riot, okay? <laughs> You're all sitting there with a screensaver on in your head. Um, now, no, we lose it. Why? The Samaritans and the Jews hated each other. Right? Hate, I don't mean just dislike. I mean, they hated each other. Uh, here, remember I said 109 kilometres from Galilee down to Judea. A lot of Jewish people living in the area in Galilee in Jesus' time and then down here in Judea. In the middle of Samaria, uh, there's a whole kind of seven, 800 years of built-up hatred in 726, the Assyrian Empire came in. Um, before that, you had the 12 tribes of Israel living here, two in the south, Judah and Benjamin. And that's why the Jews are called Jews, because they come from the tribe of Judah, Judah and Benjamin, and then the 10 northern tribes in Samaria. The Assyrians came and captured this area and then took a whole lot of the population out of here, put other tribes in there and made a kind of a potpourri a mixture. Uh, kind of half half Jewish, and to make matters worse, uh, in in around 600, the Jews were taken into exile uh, in Babylon by Nebuchadnezzar. When they came back 70 or 80 years later, the Samaritans opposed the rebuilding of Jerusalem, which didn't help relationships. Another thing I just read yesterday in the 300s, when Alexander the Great uh, kind of steamed through the ancient world, the Sumerians helped him. And in response to that, he let them build a temple on Mount Gerizim, which hurt relationships again. And then in the second century BC, the Jews went and destroyed that temple. So you've got to put all of that together. In fact, if a Jewish person needed to travel from Judea to Galilee, they didn't walk through Samaria. They crossed over the river, went up the eastern side, and then crossed back again. That's how much they hated each other. And Jesus says it was this Samaritan man who crosses all that racial barrier, uh, the ethnic barrier, and helps this Jewish man. Uh, the oil and wine, something about healing, maybe the wine to stop, you know, the alcohol to stop infection. The two denarii, as I've read the, uh, uh, the scholars, it may have covered three weeks, even more, accommodation. So it's very generous to say, let him stay here for several weeks, and if it costs more, I'll fix you up when I come back. It's hard to think of the Australian equivalent that would kind of get traction. I, I don't know. Um, the president of the local White Australia political party, I don't think there is such a party, but you're not hard to imagine, uh, is riding home with his White Australia T-shirt on and he's accidentally clipped by a car. Uh, the local Anglican minister is driving past and sees it and is late for the parish council meeting and so just keeps going. Right. And everyone says, yeah, clergy, useless, right? And then, and then there's the elder of the Baptist church who's going past and he's late for the, um, 
cake stall and says, <laughs> no, no, it's all right, okay. Um, and then, of course, who's the hero? Who do you... Islamic, Islamic taxi driver on his way home uh, after a long shift, tired, he's been to the mosque, he's driving his taxi past, sees the white Australia policy man, puts him in the cab, takes him to casualty, looks after him, and, and even then there's still not quite enough traction that way. But you see how Jesus finishes the story? Which of these three, he asks the lawyer, which of these three do you think was a neighbour to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? The expert in the law replied, oh, the Samaritan, of course. Uh-uh. I don't think he can even bring himself to say the word. Right? The expert in the law, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, go and do likewise. What was the lawyer asking? Who is my neighbour? How can I limit it? What does Jesus say? Not about who is your neighbour, go and be a neighbour. So for Jesus, it's positive, it's front foot. And the lawyer is asking, where can I draw the line about who is my neighbour? And Jesus' answer is, there is no line. There is no line. Doesn't our world so easily operate on give back to people what they give to you, treat other people the way you'd want to be treated? You know, I talked about kind of, you know, middle-aged uh, Bible college graduates, eastern suburbs. You know, just earlier on in Luke, uh, this is Luke's recording of... Have you ever heard of the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew's Gospel? Right? So Luke has much of that same teaching given in another kind of a self-contained sermon in Luke chapter 6. Jesus says this, Do to others as you would have them do to you, which is exactly what he's, you know, the, the, um, the lawyer knew from the Old Testament. And then Jesus says, if you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who are good to you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do that. What's Jesus saying? Don't. Being kind to other people who are like you or good to you, big deal. Don't discriminate against people in who you care with or how you treat people. Racially, you know, it's it's a funny thing that put it to you. You might disagree. I, we're all racist in some way deep down. We are, and sometimes it'll bubble up and surprise you. I think I can tell this story about my mum is yeah, mum's still alive. Uh, is is a was is a saint. Mum's got Alzheimer's now. She's gone, but. We've laughed about this story in the family that she was driving one day around, around Grafton and um, on the radio was someone actually endorsing the white Australia policy. So she lived in a country town way up on the north coast. And uh, they were saying, we need to increase our birth rate, more white babies, stop immigration. And his mum's driving, she said, yes, that's what we need. More white babies, yeah, white Australia. And then she <laughs> looked in the rear vision mirror and sitting in the back seat was my wife, who's Chinese, and her two little Eurasian grandchildren. And she said... <laughs> Oh, my dear, I'm so sorry. And because she loved Kathy so much, uh, we've laughed about it. It, it. It's there. I remember saying to my dear wife, Kathy, who's Chinese, as I said, I think we've been married about 20 years, I guess, and I said, you know, sweetheart, sometimes, sometimes I forget you're Chinese. Do you, do you ever forget that I'm white? I said, no. 
<laughs> it probably says more about me anyway. But I, I think it's there. Now you think, oh no, I'm not racist. Well, you think of the racial group that you wouldn't want your daughter to marry one. It just, it, now, I'm not excusing it at all. I'm just saying you, you need to be aware of it and, and we need to fight against it. That's what Jesus is saying. But not just race, ethnic group, social class, the jobs that people have. Are you, you know, a suit or a tradie or people's politics, you know, the bleeding heart lefties or right wing nut jobs or age or body shape or fashion sense or gender or sexuality. And you know what? It's more than just, oh, someone got hit by a bus and I, I stopped, you know, and, and, and tried to help them. That, that doesn't happen that often, okay, even around Sydney. Uh, no, no, it's who will I invest time with and who will I be kind to and who will I you know, give emotional energy to and who will I care enough around the office to get to know and at family gatherings, who will I not avoid? And I'm preaching this one to me just as much as you, okay? In fact, one of the things about Christianity uh, in the early, particularly the early centuries, one of the things that made Christianity such a rapidly growing movement was that the Christians were able to welcome people regardless of race, ethnicity, language, social class, gender. That they could welcome them, and without asking them to change those things. You didn't have to give up your race. Uh, I can't give up your gender. You didn't have to give up your race or your, your language or your ethnicity. That Christianity welcomes those things. Let me conclude, there might be, I'm sure there'll be questions or comments. I guess what this, the sharp edge in here is this. It's not just a simple little story when you put it into its context. We can live a life trying to justify ourselves. I'm a good person. I've had lots of people tell me that. I'm a good person. And, and you know, how I've treated... Or we can actually look at what Jesus really says. Love God with all your heart, soul, mind and strength. And love your neighbour as yourself. And we can admit that we, we fail. We don't do that properly. And then the big picture of Luke's Gospel is all about forgiveness. The reason Jesus is on his way south is to actually die in our place so people like that can be forgiven. And once you're forgiven and God has been generous, that's when we can be generous to other people. After the first question, it says, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Uh, the question was, will someone who's not a Christian but is a good Samaritan um, enter heaven for their good deeds? Well, it depends what you mean by good. Okay. So uh, people say, oh, I'm a good person. Say, well, you probably live a nice life and maybe you're nice to other people. When they ask Jesus, what's the most important thing in life? What's the number one commandment? He said, love God with all your heart, soul, mind and strength. So if you've spent a life that ignores God and ignores God's Son who offers us forgiveness, no. Jesus is saying, no, you've got the fundamental thing wrong. So to say, I'm a good person and to have ignored God and God's offer of forgiveness is not the way that God defines good. I'm not saying that people who aren't Christian can't do good things and be kind to other people. I'm not saying that at all. So if, if you want to take Jesus' teaching seriously, you need to let God tell you 
what's good and what's most important, and then then sort of work out, work things out. And, and just so you know, too, if, you, if it's your first time coming along, if you have if Al answers a question and you want to push back, just put up your hand. Sure, and you're definitely willing to do a follow up to any of those questions too. Um, the happy next to, question to is, is kind of where's my limit? It's kind of that question. Do I have to feed all the homeless people on the street when I walk by? Yeah, that's really hard, isn't it? Um, I don't think this parable or this teaching is saying um, is saying that you're responsible for the needs of the whole world. I think Jesus is saying don't choose who your neighbour is on the basis of discriminating against people on the basis of race or ethnicity or gender or, 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 or whatever. Uh, and rather than trying to limit it, be, be a good neighbour. Now, it is hard. Between here and the office, uh, just on the way up here, I walk past at least one, maybe sometimes three, four, five people asking for money on the, on the sidewalk. You, and you just, even in Sydney, you can't keep up with the number of people who are effectively begging. So how do you, well, it's worth sitting there and working out what will you do and how will you do that? Um, there's a verse in the New Testament, and it's worth thinking about how does, this, how does this relate to the parable of the Good Samaritan. verse in the New Testament that says, as the Apostle Paul writes to the Christians who live in Galatia, modern-day Turkey. Galatians chapter 6, verse 10, he says this, Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. So you've got, as you have opportunity, uh, as you're able, do good to everyone, but also people who are within the Christian family have a kind of, do have a kind of a priority. One more quick, there's a, uh, I think the Bible thinks about relationships and responsibility uh, in terms of almost like concentric circles. And that is, there are those who are closest to you for whom you carry the most responsibility. For example, uh, your parents, or if you have children, your children, spouse, that kind of immediate family. There'll be relatives who are out a little bit further. You find that in 1 Timothy chapter 5, you're still responsible. There's the members, if you're a Christian, members of the, of the Christian community that you're involved in, and then strangers... And, so your obligation to someone who is in a country far away who you've never met is not the same as someone who's one of your close relatives, for example, or someone else part of the Christian community. That'll kind of help. Uh, the difficulty is we live in a world now where the media, internet, brings unlimited needs into our lap. Um, I could probably be more generous. Um. This is, I, I think it's based on somebody uh, tr trying to clarify where sometimes with these stories we seem to fit into a certain role in the story mm -hmm. sometimes. So in this story, if we place ourselves there, which role would we be, the beaten man or one of the men walking by? That's a really good question. Um, in, in the uh, first few centuries of Christianity, a lot of the Bible uh, teachers would... would um, take parables and make them allegories. And that is you, you apply uh, different parts of the story to different things. So the Good Samaritan became the story of kind of salvation and um, Jesus was the Samaritan and the beaten up man was kind of your average sinner who needed to be saved and the, the priest was the Old Testament law and um, he picked him up and turned the inn was the church. I can't remember what the donkey is. The donkey had a job too. All right? uh, and you can read it, and it's kind of tantalising, 
uh, to read it as um, Jesus says to the man in the end, um, which, which one um, was the neighbour or the one who saved him? And then he says to the lawyer, go and do likewise. You can read it as, go and get saved by the neighbour you don't expect. Do you, do you see? Go and realise that you're helpless and Jesus will pick you up and put you on his donkey, whatever that stood for. And, um, oh, it's close. And other things like, um, you see the word compassion in there? I took pity on him, verse 33. That word is only used about Jesus in the Gospels, this kind of this heart squeeze as they felt compassion. Um, I just don't think it's what Jesus is saying. I think Jesus is saying is, you want to look at where the line is on who's your neighbour? There's no line. And don't worry about who is my neighbour, go and be one, is what I think he's saying. So I don't think it's an allegory um, where you play, because if, if something is an allegory, um, and you see there Mark chapter 4 and Matthew 13 about the parable of the sower, the New Testament writers spell out the labels for us. I don't know whether that's too much too quickly. But... Uh, well, if anybody has any other further questions, you know, they can definitely ask yeah. Um, I always struggle with it to take this parable as being it's an encouragement for us to go out and do good and love our neighbours. Or is it also meant to make us think, I can't do that, I need you? Is that second step too far? Uh, is, this, is this an encouragement for us to go and do all the good that we can? Or is it to push us to say, I can't do that, I need Jesus? Both, I think. If you just, as I read it at the beginning, and I say, well, be nice to people, you know, invest in good Sammy or whatever it is in Perth, or whatever, you could say, once you put it into context, and Jesus says, love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and your neighbours, you realise, well, actually, I, I can't do that. I, I need to be forgiven. Okay. Um, at the same time, this pushes us to do good to people outside our normal tribe and ethnicity and, yeah. What's it? Okay. This is here, do all the good works. The very next story, and we'll get back to this in a couple of months' time, I think. The very next story in Luke's Gospel is the story of Mary and Martha, where Martha is all kind of on about doing good deeds and cooking for Jesus and the disciples, and Mary's just sitting and listening. And I don't want to st- um, steal Tor's thunder when he speaks on this. <laughs> but uh, Jesus says, no, no, Mary's listening to Jesus' words. That's the most important thing. Sorry, that's Thor and thunder. Oh, actually, yeah. Actually, that's not bad. I didn't thought of that. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There you go. All right. Um, I have one more question, and I think you kind of wrapped it up at the end, but I might as well ask it, and you can conclude how you want. Is this message just about racism? Racism. Is it? Uh, racism is certainly a part of it, I think, because I, I do think in our heart of hearts, you, if you think you're not racist, you're probably not self-aware enough and we need to fight it for everything we've got Uh, but I think it's pushing us in its context to show we try and justify ourselves but actually we don't love God with all our heart, soul, mind and strength we don't love our neighbours ourselves we need to be forgiven The recording that you have just listened to is from the City Bible Forum For more information about City Bible Forum events in your city or to order other talks please visit citybibleforum.org